0: How's it going? You know what, David? It's
1: going very well. Thank you, sir. Um, it was good to uh, see a hole-in-one at the Ryder Cup today. I've yeah, just I you, so. just, I if just looking that. at that now. Yeah, it's like on a par four. That's not, it's not bad, bad going, Gilmore. is it? I mean, yeah. hopefully that will um, you know, put us in good stead. His confidence will be through the roof, and uh, we won't get trounced by the Americans this time. You know, last time it was a bit of one-sided, wasn't it, I think, over yeah. their place. Um, so, uh, yeah, it will be nice if we can compete a little bit. So uh, think, what's your yeah. week been like, all right?
0: Yeah, not too bad, just this and that. I have been dipping in and out of the build-up to the Ryder Cup as well. It seems to have turned into the whole week now. Like Before, it was just kind of like you got excited for the early start when it was in Europe and obviously later in the day when it's in the States. But it's it's really grabbed everyone's attention. I was watching... Um, Djokovic pretended to tee off with a tennis racket yesterday. I don't know if you got that, but yeah, it's very good. I mean, uh,
1: the thing is, TV and everyone involved in around social media now, they just try to uh, ring it out as much as they can, which is good. But yeah. I think we've found with football, haven't we? You know, it's saturation, there's a lot of it everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and how do you bring uniqueness to that? Um, and I think that that's one of the biggest challenges that all these sports have is they want people to buy subscriptions all that um so you know how do you make it entertaining and um i suppose that could link us on to our guest today because i've always found him an extremely entertaining guy when we used to work together um i would always seek him out at meetings because he he was the only one that you could actually have a laugh with there was a a few (laughs) that were a bit too serious you know if i say pineapple you know what i'm about. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I've got a very good colleague again uh, from my time at the FA, uh, Mark Rivers. Uh, Rivo, how are you, mate? It's great to have you come on our podcast after I've guested on yours previously
2: how's things yeah really good thank you um simon hi david um good
0: to meet you, Mark. i'm actually
2: quite nervous and yeah. it's like being in the green room um <laughs> listening to you guys intro it and then um <laughs> we come on it was um yeah like being backstage but no really really well thank you and um yeah it's kind of weird to be a, a guest on someone else's podcast yeah
0: a pleasant one simon's yeah. getting very polished and he's he like he links subjects like it's like it's like uh it's like terry wogan do you know what i mean it's, like yeah. a,
2: it's so <laughs> polished Inless, yeah. links. I like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah it, River, it's brilliant to have you on um you know uh it's been three years i suppose since we both left the fa and lots have happened yeah. in that time uh, and we just encourage all of our guests just to help the people who listen in uh get an understanding of who's in in the room today so um we always encourage him just to give us a bio from where you ever yeah. want to start. Um, it, it can be career, it can go back further uh, up to present day. If you want to break it any time, you know, just uh, let us know and uh, we'll, we'll have some little side discussions and then uh, we'll get into it. So if you're happy to, mate, if you just give us a, a bit of an intro to, to Mark Rivers, we'll start wherever you want. And um, like you say, we're, we're looking forward to having a really good chat with you.
2: Yeah. No, thanks guys. I think um, I'll probably go back to secondary school and um, I'm sure you guys remembered the careers office officers that used to sort of come out to the school once a term or whatever. And I remember going into this lady and sitting in this um, really sort of dull office and she said to me, "What what do you want to do when you finish school? And up until that point, um, I considered myself a bit of a, a sports person and, and, and played a range of sports and particularly football. And I said, I, want to, I really want to do something around football. And she kind of nearly sort of fell off her chair. And when she brought herself back, back to, she was sort of like, you know, you need to think of getting a proper job, whatever that meant. And um, it really knocked the confidence out of me. And, um, you know, there's me as a... 15 year old and looking up to this adult who I guess must know everything so I said yeah I need to get a proper job then so I kind of scrapped football that was gone and um, I remember I didn't feel old enough to remember MFI the um, yeah yeah, was it, right? yeah. Uh, I was kind of like I went into a sales job there at MFI um, selling like carpets and bits and pieces which um, yeah I didn't really really like but at, at that time it was sort of leave school and get some money in because your mates were going out on the weekend and you wanted to do the same so it was kind of doing that sort of stuff and I'd left school with um, two GCSEs I don't know if that's any good is it Sorry, si? Two GCSEs?
1: Um, I think they <laughs> used to be worth half a crown back in the day something like that
3: <laughs>
2: Two GCSEs I left with um, and I was never really, well definitely I wasn't a bully at school, I was that sort of sporty kind of person but I'd always egg other people on in, in the class to sort of disrupt the teacher and subsequently disrupt the, the, the lesson because if I left that class having done like five minutes work I thought I was winning, I thought oh, this is brilliant, we didn't do anything today. But then, yeah, fast forward on, and I, I, and I left school with two GCSE. So went to MFI, did some sales jobs, did a few cleaning jobs, and then eventually went to work in a, a sports centre. Um, it was only part-time, and I was doing some sort of recreation stuff. And I met a guy who's, um remains a really good friend of mine, Dave Evans, who's the, the community manager of Reading Football Club. Um, we, we still keep in touch to this day. And it, aside from the sort of rec stuff, the Dryside Legend Centre, but aside from all that, he did all the football camps at half-term. So he kind of got me to tag along, and I was sort of playing non-league, I think it was then. Um, yeah, and I, and I kind of sort of fell in love with the coaching bit, and it kind of coincided with a time that clubs were sort of taking on um, football in the community managers or officers, as it was called then, um and some clubs had like an assistant officer and that was kind of it so so a lot of clubs had sort of two full-time community staff if you like and i think a lot of that was probably born out of um things like hooliganism in the 80s and they'd get these sort of officers and coaches into schools and, and and try and do some real positive stuff with the students so um yeah, it was kind of around that time. So I did some work with Dave in the sports centers, which was great. And um, it, it, it's funny now, cause Simon and I both tutored courses, but I remember at sort of 17 and he'd said to me, can you um, take the warm warmup? Um, and I'd been sort of with him for, the, for sort of a year and a half previous. And I was absolutely beside myself. I just didn't know what to do. Um, and that sort of a real deep anxiety that come across me. But he kind of threw me in, and I, and I, and I sort of um, bluffed my way through it. Um, but then I really got the bug for it. Um, and then I sort of researched other clubs, and um, I ended up going to work with uh, another person that Simon and I both know, Jeff Noonan, who's uh, who's at the FA still now. And um, we were at Farmer Town together, mm. and I started working as his, his sort of assistant. So it was very much... Um, community-style programs, after-school clubs, curriculum coaching, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Primarily, I suppose, for for children of 5 to 11. Um, And that's kind of where I stayed, really. That was was kind of my thing. And I combined that with playing football at a sort of half-decent level um, and then ended up going to Reading Football Club full time as their sort of community manager there and um, working with some amazing people. Um, Brendan Rogers was Academy Manager at the time. So to be able to work with someone like him um, was just incredible. Um, and then went all the way down to Plymouth, um, Plymouth Argyle, which was an amazing, amazing club. I had a wonderful time down there in, in Devon. Um, and I say that because it just opened my eyes again. I ended up sort of working with the reserve team at the time, doing the warm ups and five different managers in five years, played for the reserves on a couple of occasions when they were short. Um, yeah, just just wonderful. Um, relocated back to the sort of London area and um, after a year out of work, got a job in the FA um skills program stuff which was brilliant and really opened my mind to sort of other facets of coaching really and a real holistic approach to to coaching um you know at that age i thought i had this sort of coaching luck nailed down um but soon realized there was so much more to it um and then towards the end of my time there um had a, a ccd role with Simon and we were sort of out delivering level ones, level twos, UA for bs and supporting coaches, which, which was absolutely fantastic. But um, yeah, during COVID times, that, that, that came to an end and there was a lot of us that were made redundant and um, yeah, real difficult time for all of us. But um, I ended up contacting a good friend of mine, um, Lee Heron, who's had a talent idea at, at Arsenal. and Someone was doing a wonderful job there. And I just said, look, can you use any of my sort of experience? Can I go in and help support some of the guys there? And and, and he said, yeah, come in. So I ended up going into the pre-academy at Arsenal and supporting the coaches. And like all these things in football, once you're in, there's some internal movement. And the guy that was doing the, um, the pre-academy ended up going across to the under nines at the time, and they left an opening in there for me. So I had to interview. It definitely wasn't a a job for the boys type thing, and it was probably one of the hardest interviews that I had to do, not least because it was a good friend of mine on the panel, and there was a couple of others on there as well. And um, prior to that, I had to meet our academy manager, the World Cup winner, Per Murtasaka, on a call, and he wanted to sort of check me out. So it was a, a, a tough uh arduous process to, to to get there to get in but um that's where i am now and i have been for the last three and a half years
1: excellent um you know so again it shows the rich history so we've had a few guys from the ccd program on and, and similar pathways in a lot of way community football you know uh, grassroots uh, not grassroots but professional football club community schemes mm-hmm. a good grounding. I would say a lot of people who work in that because of the the variety of stuff that you have to do within those places, you have to be that jack of all trades. Mm. Um, but what we haven't had is people who've played reserve team level football at Plymouth so what was yeah. that like yeah. give us a bit of insight into <laughs> you know what that. Uh,
2: it was a really strange time i was playing not a bad level down there in devon and um i was still relatively fit at the time and it was it was it, we had five managed five years it was brilliant and i learned so much from each of them that this was tony pulis who would left stoke and come to us and it coincided at a time when um the first team had stayed up, so he'd managed to keep them up in the championship. So he gave them some time off. And it also coincided with a time that some of the youth team players were, were, were told that they weren't going to get um, um, professional contracts. So it left us quite depleted. Um, I remember, we, I think we had, at one point we had eight players or so. So we were going to Cheltenham at Wadham Road and he'd come in my office and said uh you need to play tomorrow because i was expecting to go along and take the warm-up yeah. and um <laughs> and you know what it's like at these clubs and and I, I said yeah all right He said no i'm serious we've got eight players you're gonna have to play and um and i kind of left it this was the day before and then the geography of the club meant that um, when I wanted to go to the toilet or to get a cup of coffee, it was kind of near like the 13 manager's offices. So as I went past again, this was like, I don't know, one o'clock the day before in the afternoon, he kind of shouted out and said, uh, have you signed the forms yet? Have you signed the league forms yet? And I laughed again and kind of dismissed <laughs> it and went back, <laughs> went back. And then it was like towards the end of the day, I went out again and he said it again. and at that point I went in and said, look, are you serious or are you winding me up here?" He said, no, I'm serious. You're gonna have to sign the forms. So <laughs> I had to frantically sign um, combination league forms I think it was at the time and then um, they had to get faxed off somewhere and uh, yeah and I went. So by the time we got to Wadham Road the next uh, uh, the next day um, we had a, a starting lineup it was real, real like royal rover stuff so i ended up being on the bench um for the, for the first half and it was classic it got to about 40 minutes and our centre midfielder went down injured <laughs> and he's hobbling about and the reserve team manager just looked across to me and said warm up <laughs>
3: um
2: so i spent the entire half time period Uh, warming up and panicking like mad and to make matters worse it was um, (laughs) I think there was uh, I think Cheltenham had a game called off I think in in the week or the day before or something so I think eight of their players were first-team players (laughs) so the, the, the irony is this is the irony right I went and played the second half and I played um sort of like uh, a number four role cdm if you like in new money um and it was one of the easiest games that i played in it really was and only because of not anything that i did or anything that i did differently but the fact that it was one of the first times i would played against an opposition that had a real strategy and a real purpose about their play. so they would just let us have the ball in in our own half and they would just drop off so nine times out of ten, I'd get the ball from the centre, the centre back, and there'd be no one around me, and I was just playing, popping off short balls, um, and it was just amazing. I think we got, well, I, I know we got beat one nil, um, which to me was like, well, that's kind of coming off relatively unscathed. Um, but that was on the Wednesday, I believe. And Then the Saturday, I went back and played for this non-league team, and I don't think they, they were like he's the guy that played for Plymouth in the week he's rubbish (laughs) 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 because it was again it was crash bang wallop you had the ball someone was straight away you didn't have any time it was ridiculous but um yeah it was experiences like that that were just unreal
1: Mm. that sounds perfect mate um so we always just try to get a little bit deeper with people and understand where does that passion come from do you think so it sounds like you almost fell into it from mfi and then getting into the the sport bits but that passion to stick with it you know what what sort of drives you uh, to be in and around this this football you know not just from a coaching coach education perspective but you know the whole the whole thing what what draws you to it
2: mm. i think um there's something intrinsically in, inside of me that 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 is just always pushing and pushing and niggling. I remember, I think, when my, I had a wobbly tooth at um, eight, I think it was, seven or eight, and I was just there all night. My mum would tell me now, just wobbling and wobbling, and they would say, just leave it. We'll go to the dentist tomorrow. And I think an hour later, the tooth was out. Um, I just couldn't leave it. There was just something inside of me. I had to get it done. Um, and yeah, there was, there's just there's just always has been this ambition, probably different to most people in my family. Um, if I've got a target or something in mind, then I'll just do my utmost to try and, try and get there. But it's not in any old way. I just want to do it, you know, as classy as I can and give everything to it. Um, so i'm just trying to think of um some other examples i suppose we were talking about before weren't we with academia and further education you know leaving school with two gcses and then me thinking you know how can i add to that what else can i do in this day and age there must be a way um and finding different routes in to to, to try and get there and i always remember like my first holiday um there was a guy that i met a family that i met um and he had a son that was playing for Cheltenham at team level and i'm going back probably late 80s early 90s um but he said to me at that 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 moment in time just do extra Mm. make sure whatever it is that you're doing just do do that little little bit extra so when it come to me perhaps going for jobs historically whatever it was i just wanted to make sure if it was me and you simon going up for a job that my cv just had something you know that edged you a little bit whatever that thing was Mm. Um, and i was telling um, my son a couple of months ago now um, to go and do his fa playmaker which you can do from 14 Go and do your talent ID level one, because you can do that from 16, get these things done. And naturally, when I was that age, I'd be, people. Well, yeah, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to get into that? Mm. But you just never know. It might be that you're, I don't know, going for university captain in a couple of years' time, and we look at two CB. CV- oh, hold on a minute, you've got a coaching qualification, or you've got yeah. this. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of always stayed with, with me, really, just trying to do extra.
0: Did um did do you have did your family have any grounding in in professional football or anything like that? Were you the first to no, go yeah. towards it?
2: Yeah, no one really, really weird. Um, didn't didn't know my dad growing up, so maybe there was something in that. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> weren't sporty at all, and it was a different era then. Society was completely different, wasn't it? So we would just be out in the street. Playing, um, no yeah. mobile phones, no internet. You, you, you know, we're out at, eight, you know, nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, and and get back at eight o'clock at night, starving, hungry, but no one knew where you were. But you'd be out doing stuff, yeah. whether that's <laughs> fishing, playing football, uh, whatever it was, you were out and you were active all the time. Um where it come from, I just I, I don't know. I, I remember the earliest memory for me was nineteen eighty five FA Cup final, BBC. Norman mm. Whiteside scoring past Neville Southall and Moran getting sent off. Um that was the earliest memory and I just got the bug I think from from there on and like you do, watch it on the telly and try and replicate it in the garden badly, but yeah, how a go.
1: Yeah, and Whiteside was a, a quality act back then. You know, strange, strange sort of player, almost Chris yeah. waddle in his body yeah. positioning and the you know yeah. the jinks that he had, but he, he did play very well in that, that cup final, uh, and against yeah. someone like Southall, such a cracking goalkeeper. You know okay. the, the things that he could do back then. He he, he would get to saves that you think there's no way you can reach that you know so yeah. um yeah top top players and i used to love that era for football you know growing up yeah. the characters the, the stories the way that they um you know continued with their lives you know it, it was a uh, it was really rich with characters you, you know and i understand it now that people have to um, be more cautious because they'll the, the media will jump on anything that you say and and and, uh, put a spin on it so they they have to almost come across a little bit bland don't they to make sure that they're not being controversial um Mm. but Mm. you've you've touched on in your intro there your bio just a couple of names of people who who may have influenced you in some way Uh, what what have people done along your journey that you've gone you know what i've really appreciated um how that person supported me in that moment or Mm. them guiding me in that route you know gave me something extra because I think that links to you doing more doing extras so um, mm. is there anyone that you think of or people that you think of that you thought yeah th- that had a strong influence on me and really helped me um, go in this new new way or whatever
2: yeah I think um, just as we it, it's funny how football works isn't it if you, if, if we, if you stick on Neville Southall um and it links actually but um i did a UEFA a license 2003 or something like that and neville neville was on the course right
3: um
2: and i just remember it was i remember there was there was 120 of us i think on this course and there was four goalkeepers um it's all ex-pros and aspiring managers and uh after lunch neville south was going to do a session on goalkeeping and we were so excited Thought what you know think of some of the 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 gold nuggets that this guy's going to be able to share and um yeah i just remember that we we you guys remember mick harford and brian steen and yeah um there was a hundred of us behind the goal and he he got brian steen up that end and mick harford up that end if you if you imagine an 11 a side pitch and um i think he's not got any cones set out or anything here (laughs) Um, and he just grabbed the ball and smashed it. If you if you remember the um Abbott advert, it was a bit yeah, like that. Yeah. Straight up to McArthur. Um and then he turned around, turned around <laughs> to us behind the goal and just went into this rant about um this is what I can do. Um I meaning goalkeepers, but you know, you you won't let us back at your clubs. You know, I'm good enough <laughs> to be able to pass the ball straight to McArthur. and And he was, he was very direct and it went straight to him. I yeah, think he was kind of you know alluding to build up play and and, and this and this, but um, we we were just kind of look at each other. Going, oh, <laughs> oh, we've seen all these wonderful wizzy technical practices leading up to that, and then bang! Um, but that links in because <laughs> yeah, prior prior to that course, um, I worked as I said closely with with Brendan Rogers at, at, at Reading, and I remember um, really scratching my head about this topic that I had. Um, and I still remember it to this day. It was um, in a 4-4-2 coaching, uh, coaching your team to play through the two of midfield players. Um, and uh, I remember going into Brendan and saying, um, Brendan, can you help me with this? And, you know, academy manager at that time is is a job that takes up 25 hours a day and there's so much going on. But we had that relationship, I think, at that time where he was just like, yeah, no, no worries. You know, you, you think about this podcast, Mm. The time taken to, you know, plan it and prep it and um, send the invites out. This was just knocking the door, going in. Can I? Have-? Yeah, come in. Um, but the thing that stays with me is an hour later, he's still scrib- scribbling on a piece of paper. Mm. And at this point, I'm going, ah, I need to kind of go here because I've got stuff going on. I said, "Brendan," <laughs> he said, no, we've got to get it right. I want to get it right for you. Um and the time and effort that he took to do that was just astonishing. And I've seen him, I've seen him since I think by well, the last time I saw him in in person, he was Liverpool manager and um, there's a restaurant in in London and I was in there. And um, he just made a beeline for me straight away and put his arms around me and Mr. Rivers, how are you? And I think that was his thing was to to make you feel really, really special.
3: And even at that time, I wanted
2: to talk about Suarez and Steven Gerrard and people like that. But he was more interested in me and my pathway and my career. Um, but it's funny how things work because, you know, if anyone were to knock my door now and just want five minutes of my time, then I'm all theirs, you know. Um, mm. So that 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 what he did for me then might some people might go, well, it's, a, it's a small thing. it's... Um, but it stayed with me and um you know where, where where i sit and live now at arsenal when we've got this huge sort of operation in terms of the pre-academy and da, 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 but there's 30 35 coaches that um for me trying to give them just a little piece of your time and just a piece of advice is is really valuable mm.
3: that's
0: fascinating to hear because i i mm. suppose it, Brendan Rodgers it's a strange one well he's not strange what I mean is Mm -hmm. the coverage he gets I suppose in the media is either it can be a bit um, negative or Mm -hmm. they don't really talk about him I suppose as a person it's more just what he what he's you know what his managerial career has been like and kind of now the way if you read it in the summer he's kind of been shunted back to Celtic um Mm -hmm. So it's nice to get a different perspective on him, rather than just, I suppose, also the Brendan Rodgers you saw in the documentary, which they did at Liverpool and stuff like that. I think he kind of, yeah. with any of these things, the way they edited it, he kind of comes yeah. out of it not looking very good. So, but yeah, it's it's nice to hear that he's actually quite a nice guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, wonderful, wonderful guy, and I think it's his, um, you know, just and work ethic. I mean, we talk on mm. like, um, sorry about you know plan do review and the importance of it but you know at that time when I'm sort of rushing out and going to a school session it's kind of I don't know maybe i be able to scribble a few things out but it's in there that was the first time I'd seen someone be that thorough planning out a session and not for themselves for me yeah. and I think it was highlighted to me because as these courses work, you know, that was year one, year two, you'd have to do something else. And, and Brendan had moved on. I think he'd gone to Chelsea by that point. Um, and I'd gone to someone else at the club, um, kind of with the same problem and was just shot down and dismissed and hadn't got time for that. And da, da, da. so hmm. that kind of elevated even more in my mind, that core, this guy's a bit special. Um, and it, it was no surprise to me, very charismatic, um as i said very hard working a real deep thinker It was no surprise to me that his career um went on to to where it did
1: so did you do that at Lillishaw? was that where you did your because i I must have been in and around you at the same time then because i i did my first year 2002 second year 2003 and i was on the um one of the pro courses up there so lots Mm. of really good players you know really Mm. good conversations um some of them always pulling up with a hamstring until it was their session, so the opposite of, of others. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I can't run around in this one, son. I got to save myself for me good mate. Um, yeah. But yeah. great environments, really rich for learning and yeah. seeing things from other perspectives from players um, who've yeah. played at that good level, you know, that yeah. decent level, and the di- details they put into the small practices or the the body shapes that they do to yeah. receive the ball, uh, and yeah. that was always really insightful for me. Um, and then the coaches. Um, touching on your point there you know some of them or coach educators you could go up to them and they would give you the time you know I've always got great admiration for John Peacock because as the course lead he was excellent at that and really gave good examples and really tried to help you along where others you go and speak to them and you'd say look I've got this I'd like your information and then being football as football is That one would tell you one way to play through the two. That one would tell you another way to play through Mm -hmm. the two. And then as a beginner at A-license level, you start to go, oh, my God. Um, Mm -hmm. I just got to put on a session for 25 minutes in front of all these ex-pros in a minute. (laughs) You know, uh, I've got to get the two centre-mids. And I had Damian Matthew, you know, used to play for Chelsea as one of my centre-mids. And I'm going, oh, I've got to coach Damian Matthew on how to be (laughs) compact uh, in the middle third. You know, so uh, the, the, the I didn't pass on that first occasion because no. I never got through to, you know, coaching for 25 minutes is difficult and I, I never even got to the defenders. But those bits, those rich environments, has there any been uh, a time there where you've actually been a little bit disappointed or you felt you did get something as much or there was a, a, a challenge or dip where you thought, no, that, that's left me feeling a bit, a bit flat or a bit of a sour taste in my mouth have you ever any sort of experiences mm. like that
2: yeah you definitely i mean that that course that i did was a welsh yeah that course that i did was a welsh welsh one that was in Aberystwyth, um and I'd, I'd since gone and and done the english one but um what what really stood out for me and it's it's only through age and experience and reflection that um i wasn't i wasn't ready to to do that first course in in 2003 um at the time it was um i felt it was just like a linear pathway that oh, at the minute i've got my b license and i've had that for a couple of years so now i need to go and do the a license but reality tells you if you you're going to struggle if you're not working at that level day in day out I, w- I wasn't working at 11b 11, 11 I wasn't doing the center of the pitch stuff and being able to connect all the different positions I, I wasn't doing it so there was a little bit of um a bit of fomo on the course and you know i I was on the course with as I said 120 people a, a huge percentage of those Rex players and 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 people that were about to go into clubs um and I think at that point at that time we had uh Ian Rush was Ian Rush was on it as well. So yeah you know, the people that are yeah. about to coach coach Ian Rush sort of quick play in <laughs> and around the box.
3: <laughs> uh, kind of felt for them a
2: little bit. Yeah. Um yeah. but you know what these courses are like, you've almost got to just and I think it does come with age, but just black it out and you know, they're human beings, they're players. This is my session what we tell the coaches now is kind of just be selfish with your learning mm. um, and to try not to, to, to worry about all that um, because just because they played at that level as we know doesn't mean that they're they're a, they're a good coach and they know how to connect with people so um, but definitely um, yeah uh, uh, there's been times when I felt a bit mm. well that didn't go to plan did it you know mm. and I think that's the importance of the re- the reflection piece as well if you really honest with yourself and you can sit down after and, and look at things and well, that worked and that was brilliant and that wasn't quite so good. Why not? I think that, I think that's real coaching. It,
0: quick question going back to you. Obviously you mentioned about Neville Southall. I've, I randomly ended up going for a curry with him probably about 15 years ago. Nice. And he, he was, uh, did he, he mention very... me? <laughs> no he didn't he did oh, yeah. to be fair he, he spent a lot of time he was an in, a nice enough guy but he was he was a bit strange if i'm honest i don't know if you've got that same experience of him. he's and, a goalkeeper <laughs> yeah and he doesn't drink either that's no. um, which i didn't realize until we were in this curry house and it was mm. literally like well should we get a lot a lot of pint in and stuff and it's like oh no i don't drink and i was like oh really oh, but um yeah he was all over the shop like chatting about different stuff he was and everything yeah. so uh yeah but he was nice enough but just a bit strange but as you said simon that's what goalkeepers are but goalkeepers i suppose union, yeah yeah um that's, at those it's... what i was going to say was that the at those kind of the sessions you you just mentioned there you mentioned obviously ian rush um as well and obviously going back to what you said about brendan rogers was there any ex-professionals that you did meet that you were i don't know you were surprised when you met them they were completely different to how you'd expect them to be
2: um i think go, going back to <laughs> I, I can't wait to see the title of this part <laughs> Podcast, about Neville, Neville Self or something in it, but yeah. go, just going back to Neville before I move on. And perceptions. um He came over. I remember we had a group, and he came over to this group on one of the days and kind of looked at the group. And I and I felt at the time he almost turned his nose up, nose up, and then walked off mm. again. And I thought, oh, and he was kind of. Um, isolated on a lot of occasions and yeah, we'd go out and drink down at the the, the bay or whatever and eat and he wouldn't come out. So you, you have this in your mind, but I think it's since then. And, and w- when I was on social media, the amount of work that this guy does on mental health, um, was just phenomenal. <clears throat> and, um, I'm assuming that he's had his own experiences with that. And, um, yeah, it's something that's, um, I know it's close to Simon and I's um, hearts, really. And um, we, we were very fortunate enough to do a bit of work with Sally Needham with our time at the FA. Um, mm. and we looked at, without getting too uh, deep into it, but things like the polyvagal theory and uh, neuroception and, 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 and stuff like that, which was um, amazing. So <clears throat> you do get individuals and you think, oh, I'm not sure about them. But you just yeah. kind of never know, do you, what's going on? um deep down um and you know my mind was going back to the one-man protest that he did at half time where he's yeah leant up against the the post you know everyone else is inside and all of this kind of stuff um so that was something and i know simon's big on it as well but we kind of both of us delved into um dr stephen porges work about brain chemistry and the vagus nerve and um near reception and all of that kind of stuff which um, is something that i love especially when you're looking at this holistic um, approach to coaching and stuff i think it's um, so so important Um, but yeah and then i suppose linking that into the present day um, kind of the other way really you know again and it sounds like I'm just dropping loads of names here, but this, I've just been fortunate to work with some of these people. But the likes of Per <clears throat> um is a World Cup winner. You know, I've seen him lift the World Cup. And uh, the perception then, that in my mind, before going to Arsenal was this person who's on this pedestal. And Now, if, if Per comes down from Mars tomorrow, you would not even know that he kicked a football, let alone won the World Cup. Mm drives a very modest car, um, really big on, on values, but is the most personable person, the most humble person that, that, that I've met. And I think that goes for the likes of, you know, Freddie Lundberg, who's around the building and we, we've coached his son. And he's the same. Um, people tell me about Thierry Henry, um, Ian Wright, all these kind of people that have been there and done it at that level. You know, the humility running through their veins is is brilliant. So you kind of see, yeah, I've seen both sides really.
1: Well, we had Martin Dighton on, like I said, uh, uh, on a previous podcast, and uh, the work they're doing at UK Coaching around duty of care, you know, and it yeah. touches on these things that we're big on around mental health. We've both tutored courses, we've both had lived experience from a variety of different things. So when you're supporting your coaches, what, mm. what are the big things that you try to help them? Understand uh, regarding their own self-care, but also the, um, the the way they interact with the the young people, the parents, because they're all key relationships for you guys at that level, mm. aren't they? Mm.
2: I think me me as a manager, and I've got um, three other full timers in 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 my team, and um, and then like thirty five casuals out there. I think one of the biggest things for me, and it comes down from Per as well, is to create a real friendly positive environment and I know they're sort of buzzy words and I get all that but um, for me um, yeah if if you're um, outwardly facing you need to be inwardly credible so if you're outwardly facing you need to be inwardly credible what do I mean by that so it's not just lovely buzzwords that you'd write on a coffee cup or on a mouse mat They're things that, okay, we say that we're this, this, and this, and we're caring, and we've got a duty of care, and mental health's important, blah, blah, Well, you better live it. Otherwise, they do become those things. Mm -hmm. So with our staff or with my staff, it's very much, um, you need to make sure that you take a day off tomorrow. I don't really want to see you in the group chat. So I don't want to see emails coming through. What I'd really like to know when we get together the next day is, what fun that you are with your son. Mm. And where did you go with your son? Did you go out for a nice meal with your, your, your family? All of that kind of stuff. You know, when you first got into to to this line of work, it was, yeah, 25 hours a day and eight days a week stuff. But um, it, that stuff is so, so important. You can't be running on empty all of the time. And that message then disseminates through the workforce with the casual coaches, with the scouts, and everyone, that, you know, when you're on, make sure that the quality is there. But if you're off, you're off, and that and that's it. And we talk to them. We do talk to them. Um, we do sort of um, CPD around mental health and the importance of that, um, how it all sort of links in. And and while I like the the, the, um, the polyvagal stuff is, mm. it just makes sense to me. You know, researched it and, you know, so Vegas is, I think Vegas is wandering in, in in Latin. So that vagus nerve that connects with all different parts of our body. And when you think about um, when you find yourself in an anxious situation, I suppose it's where the, the words gut feeling derive from, because you probably feel it in your gut first of all. And I was that 14, 15-year-old player that when the coach is talking to me in a real sort of auditory fashion that... I'm going i ain't got a clue what he's on about i really haven't got a clue but all this stuff happening in my body is suggesting that i'm no way putting my hand up and questioning this real mm-hmm. authority figure because i'm going to get shot down and laughed at so it's those things <clears throat> given giving the coaches a basic understanding of that and uh, um, so that so that they can look out for stuff like that because we have, for example, on, on any night at Arsenal, you've got, I don't know, 20 boys that come in from 20 different backgrounds. Some may have just got chucked in the car because we're running late. Some have had some food. Some have had Tweet on the way. Some have had a quick nap in the car. Some come from broken. So how amiss of us would it be just to throw a blanket over the lot of them and just teach them and coax them in one way? Mm. You know, that to me, that's not that's not coaching you've really got to understand and then you start looking at um Steve Kerr and connection before correction stuff so having that real (laughs) connection with them as they come in just to gain an idea and understanding of of how they are and how they're feeling that day and we try and set this culture of blame the players last and it really irks me it really does when coaches not that they do a lot now but they'll say "Oh, um, or they throw out generic comments like we're not we're not at it today and we're not doing this or he's not doing you know what about you what have you done and how have you, what have you done to help him in that situation because that's where it's got to come from for me
3: mm-hmm.
1: so um with that then um the mental health side of things it is just a case of what are you doing now are you living that then are you that role model at the top so mm. you're you're saying to them um you know I did do this at the weekend guys I was looking after myself because football is full-on at that level isn't it mm. you know and I like the saying when you're on it be there and be high quality when you're off it make sure yeah. you are off it to recharge yeah. the batteries yeah so how are you getting on with looking after yourself are, are you taking great pride yeah. in that still?
2: Yeah, I have and and, um, I'm really proud of the fact that I've educated myself with, you know, um, listening to podcasts and at the FA, Simon, working with you and people like Sally and, um, you you know, using a part of that for my sort of academic studies um, and really broadening my mind on it and, yeah, looking after myself. I mean, I, I gave up alcohol seven years ago. Um, alcohol is a depressant so it didn't make me feel great not that I was a huge drinker but it was something that I thought I need to kind of get rid get rid of this if I want to um, try and be the best version of myself going forward um, and, and <laughs> it's hard because I think to grow like that you've got to sit with yourself in real uncomfortable situations And and as men we're rubbish at it really mm. but we kind of deal with that for so long before we end up turning to a form of numbing, whatever that form of numbing is. And there's lots of different things that we're, we we choose to go and gravitate towards. Um and without getting too far deep into it, you know, the, the the rates of you know depression and poor mental health and suicide, um well certainly suicide far outweigh those of of, of women. Um mm. Because I think women probably present more at doctor surgeries and things. Um, the rate is much higher than than we do as men. Um, mm. I think yeah. we internalize things and suppress things quite a lot more. Um and and if you think about the industry that, that I'm in as well, it's it's high pressure, to, you know. It's not um fun safe and engaging grassroots football. This is the elite level where even at a young age we're looking at potential Premier League footballers of the future.
3: Mm.
2: But for me, it's kind of trying to eradicate that serious bit. So if you came to one of our sessions, there will be music playing, there will be lots of free play, there will be um, coaches that choose their language carefully. And by language, I mean age appropriate language, not Twitter language or Mm. a licensed language it's language that these boys will hopefully understand. And then I think in order to do that, you've got to be at one with yourself and at ease with yourself um, to be able to not cater for the external factors in terms of parents and aunties and uncles. So you're not playing to the crowd um, with your language that you're using, that barrier to entry stuff. Mm. But it's more, okay, I'm comfortable with this, it looks a bit messy like football does because it's random. And um, I'm just gearing myself towards these individuals.
1: Yeah, you know, massively. Because um, I think we've had lots of discussions in and around our time um, about we have to normalize mental health conversations, don't we? And mm. um, for us to then encourage that in others, we have to role model that. And, you know, yeah. being in a leadership role that you are, um, it's great for you, you know, to share these thoughts around this, not just on this podcast, yeah. but obviously in and around your environment, because then I think people buy into the genuineness of it and they see the sincerity of what you're trying to do. You know, they, they know that you genuinely, um, want them to do well. And that's not just, um, the kids that are going to make it it's every child that comes through those doors, the coaches that you're with, the parents to say, look, as men as you've touched on we need to just be um i don't know if the word brave is right but willing to mm. have a conversation and just go you know what what's the worst that can happen
2: mm. you, you know yeah it, i it's think
1: better than bottling yeah. it up Go on, mate. yeah
2: yeah i think i think it for me it's it's vulnerability mm. is making yourself vulnerable so if people can see in a leadership role that, that i'm prepared to get vulnerable um then I think they can... It puts them at ease a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, Per came out and did a, a presentation, I think, to the, the, the Premier Premier League at one point last year, and he came on stage and went, God, I'm really nervous. And he went... There's part of you that went, this guy's played in a World Cup final. And there's another part that went... For me, it was like, wow. Mm. just made himself so vulnerable at that moment. Like... I want to learn from you guys as well. I'm really vulnerable right now. I want to learn from you guys. So I think those things are, are really important. And um, and I suppose you mentioned sort of by actions, it's, you know, I'm, I'm 48 now. I know I don't look it, Simon, but 48. Um, <laughs> and I've got to a stage now, whether this class is vulnerable, I don't know, but where I'm really comfortable by saying, um, I'm going to stand back and let you guys do the coaching. Because I've been doing it for 30 odd years. I don't quite have the same passion that you early 20 guys do. Mm -hmm. So you go and do it. And actually, you're probably better than me at doing it. I know that you're better than me. You've got more energy, more enthusiasm. You're probably more up to date than me. Um, You go and do it. Whereas 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have felt, oh, no, I think I need to be the one that's doing it and being on the grass and setting an example. So it's those sort of things, I think, um, and empowering others that, that's important.
0: You mentioned, obviously, the environment that you're working in, the high pressure. Also, you know, football is, I suppose, people would band around the term like a macho environment. Yeah. You mentioned, obviously, what you're experiencing with Arsenal. Do you think other teams take take the mental health side of things as serious as Arsenal? Or do you think... Mm-hmm other teams are just paying lip service to it or just mm. I suppose not ignoring
2: it really yeah I don't I don't know is the answer um I'm really pleased to work at a club that's sort of real forward thinking like ours and what we do um we we have what we call and you can look at it online um Academy Island which is essentially um if you'd imagine like a, a big poster um of an island printed out on it um and why that's why i like that is because if you're a young boy and you can't articulate your thoughts and feelings and i use boy because that's the environment that that i'm working in but if you're a young boy that can't then you can just point to somewhere on the map to hopefully then trigger some form of conversation um because we're very good you know if someone says to me how are you you okay then i just go yeah i'm all right if someone's willing to probe and dig a little bit deeper it happens all the time doesn't it we go and get a coffee it's transactional yeah. good morning you, you all right yeah i'm all right you almost like get forced to to say that 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 answer that default isn't it yeah it is a real default so it happens all the time um but um i still think we need to do more in a governing body in terms of integrating this stuff on the courses i really do and being able to recognize signs and symptoms because we talk about it with physical first aid all of the time and and quite right you know someone's injured there's a duty of care and we need to be able to look after them but you the, the stats tell us that you're more likely to see your or be confronted with someone who's suicidal versus someone who's having a heart attack so all of these things and all of the things we just t- talked about with Vega and Stephen porges and all of this kind of stuff surely as good practitioners we need to be in a position where we can and that's all it is recognize the signs and symptoms that is it mm-hmm. that's, that's all i'm asking yeah. for but i think there should be modules on this and it should be integrated into the courses because the dropout rate is huge in this game certainly in boys football 14 my son's 16 now and um, has played football since he was probably three or four in tiny top sessions. He's lost the love of the playing side of the game at 16. That's gone. I mean, I played on until 38 or something. He, he, If he doesn't play again, I don't think it'll bother him. Hmm. So it's all of these things that are hugely worrying for me. And um, yeah, paying lip service, Doing? do we just do enough? We put something in a manual or a little clip online. I think we could probably need to do more in 2023.
1: Uh, I massively agree with you there, Mark. You know, um, I'm part of a lived experience group with Luna. Um, it's for people whose um, parents took their own lives, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think because of the scale of football, especially at grassroots level, there'll be lots of coaches out there who will bump shoulders with young people, children who've lost a parent to suicide. And it mm-hmm. takes a skill in relation to how do I communicate with this young person? How do I listen effectively Um, to be that support mechanism? Because that Mm -hmm. could be the person that they turn to, you know, and when you touch on there, you know, as NGBs, and we touched on it with Martin Dighton yesterday, what should courses look like? Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
1: should we even have courses? And he was discussing, actually, should we just get together? And if I'm working with you or Dave's working with you or vice versa, you go right. What do I need at my core to do this at this level? But what do I want that's going to help me be better in my context? Um, mm. You know, and having that choice in that selecting and applying. So it's almost if you look at it as a visual for anyone who can remember blockbusters. Any young people, they'll have to Google that. Yeah. But I'll have a PP board, uh, Bob. <laughs> yeah. As you work your way across the board, you just get those little lights come on. You know, and it's your journey, it's your pace, but it's what you're interested in. Because we'll have people there that are interested in mental health, technical, tactical, how to build relationships, how to build, you know, the vagus nerve and how to develop that. So you think we have to be more nuanced in what we're doing um, Mm -hmm. around, not just the education piece in uh, uh, formal settings in football, but I'd be interested in your views on your, 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 your higher education. So when we did the Worcester Uni, um, it was very enjoyable, but we were almost being encouraged to learn in a certain way, but we had to present evidence in another. Do you know what i mean i don't mm-hmm. know if you ever mm-hmm. felt that, and it mm-hmm. didn't feel like I was presenting evidence in a way that suited me and how mm-hmm. to then stretch it. It was ah, this is great learning and development, but you 've still got to present it in x amount of words and structure it like that and da 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 but you think surely there there should be some nuance to how I present evidence um What's your thoughts on that? Because I know you've just finished your master's um, yeah. and, you know, it's not an easy thing, especially as you've just shared, and I didn't know this before, you'd only um, left with two GCSEs. <laughs> so that's got to be – no, but it's got to be something you're immensely yeah. proud of as well, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I am. And um, I probably have maybe a slightly different experience here, Simon, because we did the postgrad together, didn't we, pg yeah. um That gave me enough credits. That was a third of a master's, so I, I topped it up. Um but I, I, uh, for me, doing the Masters, I was able to tune into something like this that I, that I wanted to get my teeth into that, that, that interest, interested me. And then the way I presented that back was in like the formats of my choice, really. So I did a lot of stuff like this, like podcasts and interviewing people, and then sort of dissecting that key rich information and then putting that into sort of word formats and stuff like that. So. Um, i i really enjoyed it because it was in my terms um in in a subject that i was really 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 interested in um, and i was able to really dig into that and really extrapolate that further so um that was that was my experience of it which was yeah I, i i thought it was great i really enjoyed it um interestingly i couldn't have done that in my early 20s i don't think my brain would have been in the right place for learning of that magnitude then it was only now um, that, that i was really interested in it and digging deep and going into to research and getting quotes and um references and all of that stuff was um, yeah i found fascinating
1: yeah i, I think when we did this uh, it was very much we have to present in that way well, yeah, i think doing yeah. the, the masters would have been something that i would have probably really enjoyed yeah uh, simply I because so. it would have been the thing that i was most interested yeah. in and then finding ways to present that um i think would have been something yeah i'd have, i'd have loved to have done it could be something i still uh revisit in the future you know i just i know if you reach out to don um our, our lecturer at that time he's a very um helpful supportive guy i'm sure he would say look you can but you just need to do x y or Z and uh, it'd be a great support mechanism for us um mm-hmm. so is there a moment then in your life where if you were to look back on it you'd go i'm most proud of that um mm. you know we try to say to people children aside you know because obviously they're givens um but it's it's anything it can be children we're not you know too precious but is there anything where you go you know what that that's something that resonates with me and um always give me that warm fuzzy feeling inside when i think about it so have you got anything mm. that um, you know sticks in your mind?
2: Mm. I think it would have to be the master stuff, really. I think, given the fact that, like, the area that I grew up in, and it was very much leave school, get a job. Um, I left school probably 1989, I think it was. Um, there was no, there was no talk of universities or or anything like that. Um, and then, and and also why why I'm sort of proud of that is because, you know sometimes these journeys are are very much non-linear you know i think we're taught in this country as i sit here now and when i was growing up is that you know you've got to go and meet someone get Mm -hmm. married two up two down house um, 70 tax and and, and have a labrador to top it off (laughs) um (laughs) very conventional but Mine was just a very yeah unconventional, unconventional route. And I just think we are all completely different. My, the guys at work laugh at me, because I don't know if you remember, Simon, we did this and it resonated with me. I loved it. St. George's Park in the futsal pitch, there was a thousand of us um, mm. and someone stood up on this soapbox thing and just said, where do you keep your ketchup? Do you keep your ketchup in the fridge? or do you keep it in the cupboard Mm -hmm. and if it's in the fridge move to the left and if it's in the cupboard move to the right and it was almost like this 50 50 split a real um visual illustration if you like of this divide and you know i'm looking across going what do you mean you keep it in the fridge surely you keep it in but you keep it in (laughs) there and we are all just so different and that passion that i've got for keeping it in the cupboard that other persons equally got the same passion for keeping it in the fridge so that was their journey and that's how they did yeah, but mine's different mm. i'm going to go this way to go and get this exactly the same qualification because i'm going this way i'm going to get all these different rich experiences on the way um where'd you keep yours anyway simon david
1: um it's in the fridge bud
2: yeah mine's but, in the fridge as well
3: oh
1: <laughs> But I've had the similar <laughs> conversations about chocolate. I like cold yeah. chocolate from a fridge. Some people like it warm. I don't get it. I got like a cold
0: fridge. Yeah. yeah,
1: I like to melt it. I don't like it already partially melted. You know, that's, that's something. Yeah. I like the, the texture of a bit of yeah. coldness. Yeah. So yeah, I think that uniqueness, and I don't know if Dave will touch on anything here from his own experiences, because he's obviously got a rich experience. But that was one of the things that I really loved about the courses that we were on at that time is, it's your bespoke journey Mm. it's it's your Mm. you know no one's ever lived our lives we are completely unique. Mm -hmm. there is not one person even if you're identical twins they're not the same so we've all got different things and we've all experienced different things and it's just being open to go you know what everyone's got that dave what what are your thoughts on that
0: well as i think you're right it's not just education but it's It is life. Like some people, and you remember it when you're at school. Like I don't know if there's people in when you're at school that like this. There was people that knew what they wanted to do with their lives, and then there's others that kind of found the way as they were going along. And I suppose I probably fall into that one more. And if you'd said to me, you know, I don't know when I was still at school that I would be where i am now or, or you know i'm married to a canadian i would have met a Canadian. all of these bits you just would yeah. have said no it's it's i you know i just couldn't have told you when i was like 15 or or 16. i think i think you're right you you, you you life unfolds in front of you and i think you just how you or what you grab as that journey progresses i suppose is shaped by your childhood to some degree but then also you still keep developing like i still feel that my you know views and just generally outlook is developing all the time it, and i must admit i did like what you were saying before mark about how we kind of look for the norm if we call it that the the mm. two up two down but i just don't want that do you know what I mean? mm. and but if you'd said mm. to me when i was 16 um like working away in sainsbury's um like you just getting money to go out at weekends um that was my goal in life but then Mm. i suppose my goals they almost change not weekly Mm. but they change almost monthly i think sometimes you know what i mean
2: yeah i think all of this stuff that i've sort of learned particularly in the last sort of 10 years and worked on myself is has really helped me out in the in in the bigger world as well when you see people Um, And I always, in employment terms, I'd always want to, uh, I did, employ people that were the same as me. Um, But the reality would suggest that you'd never get anything done. I'm I'm comfortable in the fact that I'm a starter, and I'm not a finisher. So if I had the full-timers that work with me at the minute on the foot, they'd go, he's a bloody nightmare. I'll be in tomorrow, I'll have two cups of coffee. We're going to the Emirates tomorrow, two cups of coffee, and here you go. Is a, a Yellow Pages book of ideas that I've had in in, in the night time. I won't have the energy to see them through come five o'clock of the day when that capping's worn off. But he will, and he will, mm. sure. They'll come back in two weeks' time and I've forgotten about it and say, here's this stuff. Um, and I always remember working with, um, uh, on, on on a podcast and doing some bits with Grant Downey. He'd be someone good to come on um, who suggested, um, he said it's like he said you're like me mark he said you're like we're like two mice um and he said i'm the one that sees that piece of cheese around the side of the fridge and my mate there's says um no and i say come on let's go and grab that piece of cheese and he says oh hold on there could be a cat around the corner um and that's the way i look at it some you know i've got these ideas with someone's someone's a bit more cautious sort of yin and yang stuff yeah, and also i think you never know what's going on in people's minds. I think now through education, through all this mental health stuff, the, the people at work or in the wider world that I go, oh, there's some stuff going on there. Like it's it's not, not my business. That's, that's something that they're hopefully dealing with and working through, but it might manifest in their actions that the way that they are and the way that they're presenting themselves. Mm. So I'm not gonna dwell too much on that. And some people will come into my life and my journey because they fit what I want and what I'm about. Some relationships are just transactional Mm. and I'm at peace with that now. So, you know, I've just come back from a course and seen certain people, but it might be just good morning, thumbs up, and the coffee machine. Others, Simon, I haven't seen you for a while, you know, it's gonna be different. We've got a bit more uh, richness to our relationship. So, um, but I think, my point is, a few years ago, I would have maybe taken some of these things personally, mm. the way that person's person has interacted with me, but now, no, transactional. Yeah,
1: uh, and I think it links to that cognitive diversity that you, you touched mm. on there. It, 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 you've got to have a blend of different people. The the key, mm. you know, and, and Dave will know, uh, I mentioned it the other day, I've just done a mediation course, which I, I found fascinating in relation to better communication skills and especially on the listening side of things Um, and listening to the subtext almost of what's happening and tuning into that around people's thoughts feelings what their interests are what their facts are that they're presenting to you and interpreting that and then trying to clarify and summarize have I heard that correctly Um, and it's something else that's just made me start to tune in a little bit more you know when we touch on mental health what, what is that person saying? Am, am I interpreting it correct? And then mm. us being able to connect the dots between each other mm. in teams to yeah. go, right. Well, actually, if I'm a starter and that person's a finisher, who bridges the gap between us both? And how mm. does that connection build? Almost like the synapses in a brain almost going from one place to another. And you just think, you know what? These, when you've got good environments, like it sounds that like you've got a really good environment there from mm. top to bottom. That strengthens over time as you start to have almost like neural pathways. It strengthens yeah. because mm. the to and fro is is strong, and um, you know that then helps everyone grow, develop, uh, and um, push things onto new levels. Because I think those ideas that spark out of that sort of thing are, are where the richness comes. So, for you going forward, aspirationally, you know, what's on the horizon for you? Where are you? Yeah. Where are you? heading towards have you got an idea is there a framework or Hmm. is it seat of the pants stuff
2: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean i think i've i've joined this wonderful juggernaut of a football club um at a really great time i think there's some amazing people in our building and um you know i've worked at lots of other different football clubs but the 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 opportunities that I've been afforded here in three and a half years are just unreal. I mean, I don't know when this goes out, but last, last week was our first Champions League match in seven years. And I find myself behind the team in the tunnel mm. as they walk out to that famous theme tune. Um, it was electrifying. And I'm looking mm. at myself and what am I doing here? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm used to coaching in schools and and uh, doing lunchtime clubs and after school clubs. And I'm, I'm behind Pakaio Saka in the tunnel as we walk out um, to 60,000 people. Um, and there's lots of other little stories like that, um, which is, you know, it, it, forget, take me out of it. It's, it's, it's the club and where they want to go and the appreciation that they have for the academy and for youth and seeing seeing people thrive and move forward um so i'm here and it's a wonderful time football is ever moving and ever evolving so we never know what tomorrow's got to to offer um and pretty much in tune to what we just talked about it's kind of sitting with the here and now isn't it Mm. today as i sit here everything's amazing and uh it's wonderful tomorrow's a different story and the landscape completely changes yet again um i think I would love to be at a club like this for for 10 years or so, and seeing what I can produce in that time. I'd love to see a cycle in terms of the boys that have come in, and um, I'm very fortunate to work with some of the best boys in London. I've never seen anything like it in 30 years of coaching. This talent, particularly we were talking about generations and eras and um, societal changes earlier, Mm. you know, We used to go out and play in the back garden for hours and hours. These boys don't. But the levels of ability are are on a different scale. Um, Mm. I mean, I suppose we live in what we would call a a FIFA generation now, where the boys play FIFA, um, they watch YouTube clips, they play Football Manager and all of this. So they're well-versed with... um, you know, terminology and um, all of this kind of stuff. It's um, it's frightening. So best boys in London, subsequently perhaps some of the best boys in, in the country. And, and uh, you know, we, we we see a lot of them because we, we, we play them at sort of sevens and eights and such. So um, I'd like to see a cycle, whatever that looks like. You know, we've got a boy that's in and around the first team now who's who's my son's age, 16. So, you know, that won't be too far off. Um, And then after that, I would like to uh, maybe there's a few of my friends that are working in sort of small nations and um, got someone who's in charge at uh, Barbados Mm -hmm. F.A. Someone who's um, um, in uh, Bermuda and uh, Jamaica and all sorts. So that might be something I don't know in what capacity, but trying to Help set something up or or give something back to the coaches, some sort of role that I can combine a few things would be good whilst, um, sitting in the sunshine and drinking mocktails.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, that's like an excuse to get out of the winter weather here, isn't it? Really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we all like a bit of sun, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of vitamin you haven't played for the arsenal reserves yet
2: though i know is that is that <laughs> you know coming what?
0: soon or is that...
2: <laughs> um again so you, you you know we used to have the opportunity at the fa to play on wembley yeah i've scored that, twice did you yeah, yeah look at yeah. that you know yeah. and you can never take Absolutely. that away and i never understood why more people didn't take it up you know that's a that's a pub conversation or whatever i played and scored at wembley no yeah. one would take that away yeah. um and I, I played three times at at Wembley and realised how big the pitch was (laughs) then I went across to Arsenal and in my first season we did the same thing and we were able to play on the Emirates pitch and then um the end of last season we had the opportunity again and I think I lasted about eight minutes before (laughs) making that signal to just get me off it was unbelievable I said that's it now that's the last time um, I just can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. The pitches are massive. You can't get up and down. Brain tells you one thing, and you, your body's going there. Nah, no chance, mate. So um, yeah, yeah I watch the rest in, in the in the stand. Watch my colleagues have a runabout and have some fun. But uh, no, I don't think I'll be making any uh, any debuts for for them soon. Um, although I do think, I, well, I know this that uh, our manager, our first team manager, sometimes uses staff to um, shape up as the opposition um at the training ground yeah um so sometimes you find the uh better security and the team <laughs> and the lady <laughs> as the opposition shaping up as uh as man united players
1: so you could be a moving mannequin moving yes. mannequin that's it
3: yeah yeah like one
1: those little space invaders yeah just go from side to side don't do any forward or backwards movement
2: i think
1: it's been it's been amazing mate it's been great to have some insights and i know people will absolutely love um you know the 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 route that you've taken and um the 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 journey to where you are now you know Mm. and it is inspirational and and sometimes we don't recognize that when we live it because it's our life Mm. But I think, you know, when other people see it, that you've gone to GCSEs, you've then gone through a variety of pathways in the community setting to now Mm. being uh, one of the top clubs in the world uh, as the, you know, pre-academy, which is a huge role because you've got to find Mm. that talent and you're scrapping with Mm. lots of people from all around the world to establish Mm. that talent. And it sounds Mm. like the relationships is one of the big ways that you do that at Arsenal. Um, So we always ask people, is there... um, a philosophy a quote or something that you live by that you you sort of hang your hat on and you go you know what that that's um, stood me in good stead or you know we, you've touched on it shapes and evolves over time but is there anything that's really resonated with you through your life
2: yeah this is it's quite an easy one for me because as quotes go this is something that's um just stayed with me for years and years and years. And um, I remember saying it to my son and I have said it to lots of other sort of students when I worked in schools and you kind of get laughed at for it. Um, and, it and it and it was from Brendan, actually. We, we did a presentation together, me and Brendan Rodgers, many years ago. And he had it up on one of his slides. I think this is when PowerPoint first came out or something. It was on one of his slides. I remember writing it down and it just resonated with me. But it is um being good is comfortable being excellent is uncomfortable um yeah and i think you can use that in so many different ways if it's a, if it's a team setting and it's you as an individual um, um if it's my journey in terms of going through to academia if it's you trying to apply for that for that job you know being good is comfortable so we can all be good and and you know yeah, it was all right it was okay and We've alluded to it with the courses. You know, this course, B license, level two, your FSC, is yours. It's your journey. And you can be good and get through it. You can mm. just, oh, here you go, Simon. Here's my folder. Mm, it's okay. But if you want to be excellent, then at some point you'll have to be uncomfortable. And that uncomfortable might be getting up earlier than you normally do to get some work done. Or to get that earlier bus or to get into work early, um, or to have a difficult conversation with someone. All of these things um hopefully will get you to to what excellent looks like for you. But that's something that's staying with being good is comfortable, being excellent is uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, that applies to so life, things. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a brilliant uh yeah, mm. I've never heard that, but it's excellent.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: Very simple in a way. Yeah. Mm. Make a great T-shirt slogan, that one. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> We've got yeah. a little Etsy
1: shop. We're trying yeah. to get T-shirt quotes. That's why we ask.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, <it's laughs>
1: So, is. Mark um, Rivers, Brendan Rogers combo. Boom. There yeah. it
2: is. Definitely so, more Brendan than me. But um, I wonder if he still uses it, actually. I'm sure the, the top players must have heard Brendan say that. But um, I, I'd mm. be interested to in know where it's actually come from. But I love it. It just makes perfect sense to me.
1: It it's being beyond the comfort zone, isn't it? It's in that yeah. stretch zone. It's in that place where you're unsure, you're vulnerable, um, yeah. you don't know what's gonna happen, but you trust the process and you go, mm. you know what? If I stick with what I know works and keep stretching myself, I think I will get to that excellent level. And yeah. I think that that's a, a, a fantastic quote for anyone to live by. Um, yeah. you know, because we always should be just pushing ourselves beyond where we're at as human beings. Otherwise you stagnate and going back yeah. to mental health. I think that's where it can start to happen because people yeah. just don't have that goal direction, something they're moving towards. We know that's there's right. more um, yeah. diverse things for some people with mental health, but people mm-hmm. in general, um, you know, and we're hearing sad statistics that we've touched on that more people are starting to become unwell. Um, mm. But having goals, direction, things to work towards—you mm. know—starting this with Dave and having this as a, a hobby, and just chatting to people and hearing their stories—it just helps me. You know, it's really mm. nice just to uh, connect with people, even if it's virtually, listen to their stories, and learn off them. You know, because I yeah. think that that human connection thing is, is is a huge part of anyone's growth and development. Mm. And because mm. of this online platform, it just allows us to reach um, across you know, so many different eras. We, you know, we've had Australian, we had Kelly Cross from the Sydney FC Academy on uh, and yes. had a great chat with him, you know, and, and it, yes. this is what this facilitates, that human connection. Yeah. And I know it's not for everyone, the virtual bit, but I, I really like it because, yes, I'd rather be in a room with you, having a chat, you know, in a cuppa. But, you know, second best is just having this because mm. you're at home, I'm at home, Dave's at home, and uh, we, we get to just uh, reach out and, and, and spend a bit of time and just get to know each other a little bit better. So, yeah. Dave, do you have any um, final questions or thoughts for Mark? Uh, I suppose,
0: yeah. The last one I had, going back to, I suppose, your your journey. If if you were, I don't know if I don't know the technology we need to do it, but say if you were in front of the sixteen year old Mark Rivers that's in MFI, what would you be saying to him now? Like, what advice would you give him? after the journey that you've been on
2: mm. i think it would be along the lines of, of not not settling um because that's the environment that i grew up in it was it was just you know just time has alluded to it there almost be happy to bob along yeah um and um and that would have been being good you know i could have um be working in reading in a sales job or whatever it may be mm. earning x amount a year and and, the, and i have the labrador and everything but i wouldn't have been fulfilled inside but externally to everyone yeah he's doing all right but yeah but again it's for me intrinsically striving for excellence and what does that and what does that look like and it, and it would have been making myself vulnerable along the way um and then, and another thing that I live by is certainly when we look at mental health and and, and stuff like that is someone said it to me once and it, and it and it stayed with me is it's um it's harder to hit a moving target. Mm. Um, so when I'm feeling like I just want to stagnate sometimes and it's very easy <laughs> it's very easy to do that. I just force myself just to go and do something, go for yeah. a walk, get in the gym, and the gym's like oh. But everyone talks about positivity and mental health it's like going to gym it's not for everyone we've just talked about this with a catch-up you yeah. you might find um uh what your thing is you know um whether it is that or walking or swimming or just doing something where you can connect with people like like simon's just said this has been wonderful for me and you know it just stimulates your brain and my brain's already ticking and i come into things like this and i make copious amounts of notes as I go because you know this will finish but I'm thinking about what next and I want to yeah. carry on learning and developing so um yeah I think that would be be it for me is just don't sell mm. I think that's a
0: good way to live your life isn't it I think I can agree with that
3: yeah
1: mm. and, and it seems like an apt place to you know probably call the pod to an end uh, because I think yeah don't settle keep moving yeah. forward keep progressing um you know and for people out there it's just taking inspiration from you know rivo's story but also you know the guests that we get on who always mm. just add that little bit because um, everyone we come into can add that little bit to us that just helps um, give us more as, as a person because I, I really like the bit earlier about we're always evolving we're always mm. developing we're not the finished product and it's a great message to give to young people you know, my son's just started secondary school and it's about don't worry about now. You're going to yeah. just grow, evolve, develop. You'll never be the finished article, but just yeah. embrace it and enjoy it as much as you can, because that is life. That's the yeah. journey. You won't yeah. be yeah. finished um, and um, embrace that because then at least you, you you have that perspective of. I don't need to achieve um, this amazing thing. I can just experience this this life and um you know take the 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 highs the lows because you will get them uh, uh, and embrace them for what they are they're all going to give you learning opportunities that will shape you to be the person who eventually and it could be morbid for some but i never see it that way on your deathbed when you reflect back you go you know what that was a life lived not a, a life where i just existed
2: yeah yeah absolutely
1: well, wonderful, mate. It was so yeah. good to I'm, have you on I'm, there. And uh, we really appreciate you giving up your time at the end of a, a long day, you know. Yeah. Um, we're, we're eating into your self-care, but hopefully this might have added a little bit to it. <laughs> Definitely, and, yeah. Um, yeah, we wish you all the best for the season ahead with yeah. Arsenal and beyond. And, uh, yeah, we'll be looking for those mocktails in uh, the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> in the <Yeah>. future. <laughs> You'll
2: be more than welcome to come over. Yeah. And oh, after. mate. We'll yeah, hold you flash. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Excellent. Cheers, Mark. Brilliant to have you on. Thanks a lot.
0: Cheers.